0: Well hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Full Pelt Music Podcast. Shortly we'll be chatting with the one and only Jamie Lemmon but before then the usual reminders from myself. If you would please do follow us on social media, we're on Facebook at Full Pelt and on Twitter and Instagram at Full Pelt Music and if you would hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, whatever you're watching or listening. Well welcome Jamie Lemmon to the Full Pelt Music Podcast, how are you this fine day?
1: Yes, I'm very good. Thank you very much. I've been doing some woodwork. Would you believe it? That's not my usual thing. Although I do okay. actually thinking about it. I, I of, I'm i often doing woodwork. Uh, people don't know me for my woodwork, but no. uh, maybe they will. Maybe it's a new chapter opening up for me. Are you okay, Paul?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely delighted to have you on the podcast. Must say that we've really been looking forward to this one.
1: Uh, um, so...
0: Um, you know you've just come out of um a couple of shows that you've played Southampton and Tubbridge Wells the last couple yeah. of nights um you know, how how did they go for you? They were really,
1: really, really great they um because i've only I've got a new sort of band by which I mean I've added a guitar player to the to the lineup, so we're now going out as three people uh which is very exciting, and we've only really played we did two festivals and a support slot, so I haven't played in front of you know my crowd shall we say. Um, with this new lineup. And uh, the Joiners in Southampton, that's a venue that I go to regularly. So that was a a, a lot of fun to go there and, and have like a really full room, you know, and all the people that are recognized from previous shows. And so they can sort of compare and contrast and sit there and stroke their chins and go crazy, you know. And the bands are really good on that one as well. In in Tunbridge Wells, I don't think I've actually played Tunbridge Wells um, as a solo act before. I must have played it years ago with the band. And in fact, I've played it When I was in 100 Reasons as well, I was in 100 Reasons for about a month playing bass, but I've never played it as Jamie Lemmon. So that was more of like a litmus test to see who's there, who's listening. You never know when you go to these towns and there was a good bunch of people there. It was great. And then the the shows that we're going to do the week after next, St Albans and Hartford, I don't think I've ever played there at all in any manifestation. So that's going to be even more exciting. So we sort of we started, you know, a familiar territory at the Joiners in Southampton and now we're going into the, the deepest, darkest jungles of the UK. Uh, it's all very exciting. But the shows themselves were were fantastic and the crowds are great and I'm just so pleased to be out there.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, there are some fantastic uh, venues. I'm going to talk to you a little bit later about, you know, independent venues. But, I mean, the Forum in Tunbridge Wells is, is an iconic, like a fantastic um, independent venue. The Joiners, you know, is like one of the first venues that many many bands will play um and you know is just another great venue and the horn in st albans where you're playing next week is one that i've frequented over the years as well very very oh. good independent oh, venue um never been to the hartford venue i think that's a new one that's uh, opened up in the last year or so um okay but, i mean yeah. you
1: live near the horn do you live near uh, St Albans?
0: I, I unfortunately live near no music venues whatsoever. Oh, I have to travel nice. wherever. Uh, I was going to put list.
1: you on the list. Let me know if you feel like making the trek.
0: Yeah, no, i certainly, I'll have a look at that, definitely. Um, And I actually, you mentioned the support slot you played. Yes. Um, So that was a support on Lonely the Brave in Cambridge. And I was one of the people stood at the back, scratching my chin. <laughs> oh, um, there we go. Uh, well, uh, Yeah. So um, in the lowdown. Dude, we had a blast at that show. Yeah, that was a fantastic show all round and uh, get, getting to witness you and the new band that you've put together, um, you know, was fantastic. And obviously, you know, we'll touch on it, I guess, a bit more as we go through. But, um, you know, you do seem to be kind of firing on all cylinders, you know, at the moment, which is wow, um, I hope great. So great. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, but before we get to the present, I want to take you back to the past slightly. Um, so, um about a year and a half ago, we were emerging out of the you know horribleness of the, of the pandemic, yeah. And you played at the Download Pilot Festival, which I was privileged enough to be at. Wow! Um, and yeah, you know, it was you know, it was kind of a life affirming um, you know few days for me as a music fan, having thought potentially. I was never going to get to another show again. Yeah, um, And, you know, I think that, that's a festival that will live with me forever, just for the memories and atmosphere of everyone coming back together. So I just wanted to get your thoughts as an artist that played at that festival. You know, what were your experiences of, you know, getting to play that show and you know, how did it come together for you to do so?
1: Well, I think the word you used, privilege, is, is the word that I would use to describe the whole affair. I think that's a very good... Um... Word is yeah. <laughs> there. I was a. We'll never see anything. Well, I hope God. Uh, <laughs> damn it. will we we'll never see anything like that again. You know, uh, unprecedented circumstances, and the music industry was in such turmoil. And here was a, a genuine experiment to see like, could we make it work? And as soon as I heard it was happening, you know, everyone wanted to be at that show. It was like the only festival. within two years right absolutely everyone was crossing their fingers and hoping they'd get asked and i got asked i felt like the prettiest girl at the ball you know i couldn't i couldn't believe my luck. there was like eight bands on (laughs) more than that but it was significantly reduced and so to be asked was just so magical and i was so happy and then when we got there God, it was even more exciting, quite apart from the fact that it kind of worked, you know, everyone got tested on the way in, makes sort of sense. Um, but for me, here's the thing, is that uh, I'm a little bit, a tiny bit agrophobic. in that I don't, um, festivals actually sort of freak me out a little bit. Yeah. I prefer smaller ones, like Arctangent and Trees, you know usually download is so big it scares me a bit you have to get a truck you have to get a truck between your dressing room and the stage that's not right (laughs) there should be a door between your dressing room (laughs) and the stage not a racetrack so download is one of the ones that sketches me out a bit as much as i love it so for someone to say hey we're going to do download but about the size of a school fate (laughs) then i was like sign me up man so not only was it like really exclusive to get in for the for the public and for the the acts but also it was like this magic mini one and i didn't have to freak out you could just walk everywhere and it's great and it was beyond that i know i feel like i'm going off on one here, but it really was (laughs) amazing it was absolutely crammed with like all my buddies from going back you know from really old buddies like frank who headlined my stage yeah. and all his band and my friends from, you know, the start of my band, you know, Taron and Cahir, all those guys, to new buddies that I've made, Wargasm, you know, I'm, I'm very good friends with Wargasm and they were there and we were all hanging out. So it was people I hadn't seen for 20 years. And uh, well, I've seen Frank more recently than that, but even older buddies to people that, you know, I was with maybe just last week at a writing session it just felt like it was like a big birthday party and it was just amazing and then the set that me and jacko did i thought it was fire i really Uh, thought because that was the first time that we'd had a chance to play the stuff King the clubs the very aggressive stuff you know and put on the the black shirts and the black trousers and fucking have it and download is the perfect festival to do that i was a little bit afraid that i might um you know miss download we might um we might go through the whole king club, club cycle without bringing that record to download And it's such a, a download record yeah and so i feel really pleased that we managed to go and like do the really heavy stuff you know before going on to this record which is a bit more mellow so for many 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 reasons it was just it was maybe my favorite festival i've ever played it was incredible it was incredible yeah
0: no, it was magical and i'd agree it's probably the, the, my favorite festival that i've ever been to and probably ever will be to just because of the you know the atmosphere and you know your set was one of the prime examples of you know you just came on you gave it your all and obviously the audience reciprocated that because they've had no outlet for that energy and pa- passion you know for the last little year and a half before that um yeah memories that are going to last, last a lifetime for sure from that one um and yeah interesting you touched on of course you know king of the clubs your last album you know, very very heavy so moving to the present now the atheist is out on november the 25th that's your new album and, and you touched on it it's a bit of a change in uh you know sonic direction from you so you know for, for listeners to the podcast that perhaps have only heard you know the singles from it so far what should they expect from the whole album well i guess the
1: singles by their very nature are sort of the poppier more immediate uh, kind of stuff you know Big choruses, guitar solos, what have you. There, there is a lot of that on the record. The, the whole, I think, every track on the first side really could have been a single in that sense, very immediate. Um, the second side gets a little bit more thoughtful, and that wasn't intentional. But that was uh, my my manager came up with the track listing because I was having trouble. And he was like, "Well, how about you just just absolutely cram the first half." With like these sugary pop singles until people can't take any more and then the flip side is maybe a little bit more introspect and I, I thought that was quite cool actually so yeah so half of it is basically what you've heard on the singles and then the other half is um slightly more thoughtful slightly softer a little bit more melancholy material you know i i like the the melancholy and stuff um, and i've been trying to make a more melancholy record for a long time and i guess yeah, really. All the melancholy stuff. Side A is very positive and very life affirming, and side B is is like, oh, that's sad. Let's talk about our feelings, <laughs> you know. Uh, so I like the way that's that's worked out. So yeah, it's basically what you've heard on the singles, but then with some more thoughtfully bits too.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. We've we've had a sneak peek already, and we're going to be listening to it a little bit more. Um, or yeah, you know, I will, and we'll be getting a review out, obviously, on the website and, and certainly cool. on the the initial uh you know listening that i ran through you know just echo you know what you say you know a lot of really enjoyable moments on there some you know reflective moments and whatnot in in you know the second half i guess and you know just overall package you know just a very you know i i found it just a very enjoyable listen very fun kind of listen you know which um yeah um is obviously something you know really good isn't what you want from a record because you're not really going to listen to a record that isn't fun to listen to i suppose but um <laughs> yeah uh talk hard was the first um experience anyone got from from the album obviously as was the first single that came out so um you know what is the story behind the song and you know, why did you pick that song to be the lead single well, Talk Hard
1: was one of um, three tracks that I did as a sort of proof of concept for what I wanted to do with the record. I went in with Mark, the producer, ahead of time, quite, quite a long while before I made the rest of it, um, to sort of, so that he and I could find out if how we would work together, because we'd hung out together, but we never really worked together and if we could achieve the kind of sound that I was after. I, I'd done a few sessions with different producers trying to see what might work and uh, none of them were quite quite it. And so then when we did Talk Hard and Lena with um, Mark, they really clicked and we could hear that the sound was there and we thought, right, okay, great, let's do this. Um, and so th- they were the tracks that everyone knew before we, I'd even made the rest of the record. So they were always going to be, I think they were always going to be singles really because everyone could hear the immediacy, plus we got used to them. I mean, Talk Hard and Lena, those are both good examples of songs that I wrote um, just sort of by accident, just fiddling around without ever imagining that I would be the one that would sing them or or even release them. I sort of thought, um, particularly Lena, Lena was a sort of a more like a thought experiment to see could I write or could anyone write a modern day 80s, Rock power ballad, you know, in in the yeah. in the vein of Toto or <clears throat> like Queen, maybe, you know. And I wrote it and I was like, well, it would go something like this, ooh, yeah. ooh, ooh. and it would have like a big solo. And I was like, actually, it's pretty fucking good. And I wrote the rest of it, and then and then I think I played it to the management. And they were like, I've got to put this out. And I was like, oh, okay, great. And then I went back to talk hard and thought, well, if I can do Lena i guess i could do talk hard as well i'd played talk hard with jacko my drummer before jen had um, joined the ensemble and uh, often at rehearsals if we've sort of you know finished ahead of time we know what we're going to play for the show coming up we we might have an hour even half an hour left i might say to the unlucky members of my band hey let's try this i got a new thing and they always want to hear new music as well and they're always excited so it's, it's hardly a chore and so i would say to jacko hey play this beat sing this harmony on top so i can sort of hear how it goes And he was just so excited. He was like, that's great. I love it. And I was like, oh, cool, you know, because I hadn't considered that maybe we could do something with it. And then, you know, to hear it with live instruments, with the drums and with my guitar and with the harmonies going, then you can really, it makes a lot more sense. And I can hear it in my sort of voice, as it were. So that really helped to make me think, oh, maybe I could put this out myself because previously I, I probably, I might have considered them both like way too poppy and way too saccharine and like, Lena's got that stupid guitar solo in it. And I thought, no fucking way. But but that's what made me get a third member in. Because previously, I would sort of think, well, there's no point writing like a song with a big guitar solo, because how would I reproduce that on stage? But then when I had, I just had written a song that had to have a huge guitar solo, and I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll get someone else in to play that, you know, so it sort of work backwards. So those two songs were sort of proof of concept, like I say, of things uh, that I never thought I would do. I didn't know if they would fit within the Jamie Lindman idiom, mm. as it were. Turns out they just about do. I guess they do. I'm always waiting for people to get surprised and disgusted by whatever my new record is and go, no, that's it. You've pushed me too far. I'm not buying this one. And they never do. They're unshockable, my audience. So, you know, you wait till you see what I've got coming next.
0: Oh, excellent. Well, we can't wait. And and yeah, I guess, you know, they are unshockable, the audience, because they are acclimatised to your willingness to kind of experiment and change direction, you know, and obviously go with the flow. And that kind of links it to my next of question where... I read a, a quote from you recently. You, you know, the, the time frame for you writing these songs was around about the time you were getting to tour finally. You know, King of Clubs. So obviously you're on stage playing the you know, the heavy, heavy stuff. But you know, mentally you already kind of moved on to this you know mellower stuff. You know, how yeah. difficult or frustrating is that you know for you as an artist to to kind of have to almost leave like this work that you're clearly going to be proud of and want to get out into the world and have to perhaps leave it to the side for a little while while you finish off you know the promotion of what you've already got out there
1: uh it's very frustrating it's very frustrating and but it's always the job because you know you write a record it takes maybe a year to get all the songs together then you spend another couple of months making it then really between like getting in the studio and having it mastered is probably another six months and then you give it to the label and they're like, okay, we'll give us another six months, you know? And so by the time you get out on tour, which might be even later, there's like two, two and a half years between you writing that song and you getting to play it That's so long, that's such a long time. And in between that you're always working on new material or you mostly are. So yeah, by the time I get out on tour, sort of over the songs. (laughs) I have to what I have to find a new enthusiasm every night for them, which is helped by you know how great it sounds with my band with the Jack and Jen. That's so that's fun and their enthusiasm. And of course, they're not quite as sick of them as I am. So they're still quite excited about playing the talk hard, you know. Um, But at the same time, yeah, I really, I want to play the new 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 stuff that no one's even heard. These last Five shows. If you count the, um, if you count the the two shows we're gonna do, that's nine shows that I'll have played where I'm playing a set that is mostly stuff that no one has ever heard. Not just stuff from a new record that's just come out. I mean stuff from a record yeah. that hasn't even come out. Right. So it's as new as new can get. And I'm still thinking mm, maybe we could. <laughs> we could uh, fit in that new new one I wrote last week that hasn't even been recorded you know because that's where my mind's at so yeah you have to sort of um, get your brain into what for you is last year's fashions every night and I, mostly I'm able to do it and then when I'm on stage and we're going through it, I remember oh yeah this tune is good but I'm really I'm champing at the bit to do the even newer stuff
0: yeah of course of course okay, and- I have to wait yeah but I mean it's it is really brave you know to to go out there and you know play the you know majority of tracks being you know new tracks from you. on our other podcast the discover new music podcast we have a feature called setlist science and we are you know talk around you know how much um you know thought process goes into the creation of a setlist and oh wow obviously you know i guess you know the question for you you know how how much energy do you put into you know the formulation of that setlist and you know are there any rules you tend to try and follow with it or yes
1: absolutely wow i want to go on your other podcast about setlist (laughs) and i spend spend so much of my life agonizing over what to put in a setlist because i've always said i've always said you make the records for yourself but you play the shows for the audiences right yeah. You can't worry about what you put on your record, whether people will like it or not, because that's just a, that's nonsense, to waste of time. But you can worry about what you play at your shows, because people come to the shows expecting to hear certain things. And I guess with these sets, like I say, when i will been playing new material, I've broken my own rule there. Because really, it was downloads, it was this year's download that put me in a corner, because no one had heard anything from the record. Um, I brought in Jen, and we'd been practicing all the new stuff, and I felt like I'd done the King of Clubs thing at, at Pilot, at Download yeah. Pilot. So the options were go to Download 22 and just play the same old bullshit that I played, you know, last year, The Future is Dead or Waterloo Teeth or whatever, all that stuff, with just me and Jacko and just have Jen standing there sucking her thumbs, <laughs> or go all in. And just play half an hour of music that no one had ever heard. And even though that was the frightening thing, usually the frightening thing or the difficult thing is the right thing to do because what it would have meant that, you know, if we'd have just done last year's set again, people would have been like, oh yeah, and Jamie Lemon was there again, I guess, you know, Yawn, he did the same thing. Or if I do the new stuff, either like everyone hates it and people are like, oh my God, can you believe how hard Jamie Lemon shit the bed? <laughs> or <laughs> what happened was that everyone loved it. And like, yeah. Oh my God, Jamie Lemon played half an hour new material and it was fucking great. Either way, people would have been talking about it yeah. rather than just the same old stuff we did last year. And from that point onwards, that gave me the confidence to say, hey, well, you know what, I'm just going to play these new songs because... At Download, you know, people were singing along to the choruses that they'd only heard like a minute previously. They'd heard the first, first chorus, then <laughs> by the second chorus they were singing along. I was like, okay, well, these songs are sort of immediate enough. That was the way they were designed, you know, to yeah. be short, sharp, shock, three minutes, verse, chorus, verse. They can work in, a, in, a, in an environment where they haven't been road tested, so to speak. So I did break my rule. Usually I try and fit the set. You know, every, every two or three songs, there's a, there's a song that everyone knows, you know. And you know what, on this tour, I'm still kind of doing that because now I've got the singles out. I can still, you won't go more than two songs without one that you know and you like, you know. So I still kind of do that. That's my general rule. And, um, but it's still like, what, nine, nine new songs. It's pretty heavy. It went down well. What can I say?
0: well yeah and they, and they will do you know like you say these songs are really accessible and, and fun so you know they are going to you know come across that way um and speaking of you know accessible fun enjoyable etc cetera, etc cetera, i just wanted to touch as well on the videos for the two tracks that we've mentioned now obviously talk hard and uh lena um I've really enjoyed the videos. I just really enjoy it. You know, and, and it's kind of music videos are a bit of a lost art now because we haven't got, you know, the TV and whatnot to watch. But, you know, clearly a lot of love has gone into those videos and they're very, very enjoyable to watch and obviously fit the songs well. So I just wanted to touch on it. Obviously, listeners can um, check out the videos through the links in our bio of the podcast and go and, and, and enjoy them from there. But, yeah, you know, what are your, you know, uh, memories of, of recording them videos? And, yeah, obviously, are, are you just as proud as I am uh you yeah, know of enjoying them and, and everything so
1: yeah i uh, i'm glad you i'm glad you touched on that i'm glad you picked up on it because uh people haven't really mentioned the videos i spent a lot of time thinking about them um i knew after having made sort of all the promotional material most of the promotional material of king of clubs myself because we were in lockdown and i didn't have any other option <laughs> um and I'd also, I'd sort of co-directed, or art-directed at least, all the stuff for Devolver and or Shuffle with my photographer, Scott Chalmers. The videos were part of a whole visual overhaul for this record um, because I did the the three previous records, uh, Shuffle, King of Clubs and Devolver, I did them with my buddy, Space, and they had a sound to them, a very sort of sharp, Kind of digital sound, and the visuals corresponded with a very sharp digital almost fashion look you know and and so then when I decided I was going to do something a bit more mellow sound wise, I realized that of course that would have to be mirrored uh, in the visuals, which is why I sort of softed everything out and I went for you know browns and blues instead of like red, white, and black you know on the on the previous record. And I wanted to, even even in as much as using outdoor spaces for the photography, I was very clear on that in terms of the press shots, but also the videos. And even, you know, the type of lens we would use and the type of lighting, I know a little bit more about this these days. And I'd seen some videos that Jen, my guitarist, who was also in False Advertising, great band, she directed some videos, not only for her own band, but also she'd sent me some bits for one of the videos of King of Clubs. And I was like, "Ah, oh, here is someone who knows how to point a light and how to use a lens. Um, and she's got that sort of, that more mellowed out, softer look that I want. So I said, Jen, hey, I can't remember whether I asked her to play my guitars first or direct my videos first, but I'm relying on her a lot. I'm leaning on her a lot during this campaign and she's got the skills to pay the bills. So I said, yeah, Jen, how would you feel about, um, well, first of all, doing talk hard. Again, as a sort of experiment to see how we would work together. And then then when that went so well, that was entirely her concept with the string. I just thought that was so clever. Um, Then we did Lena, which was more my concept, because I wanted it to lean heavily on my relationship with my wife and have that reflected in all the photos. It's all real, you know, all those photos. Um, And then we've done another one for my next single, which I'm going to remain tight-lipped about. But I hope she will continue to work with me, well, both as a band member and as a... (laughs) as a, di- a video director, because we think along the same lines, we we steal all the same influences, um, you know, um, and I don't really have to explain myself too much to her because she kind of already knows what I'm thinking and she gets it right first time. She's a yeah. real wizard, you know?
0: Yeah, certainly. It always helps when you are thinking along the same lines as the people you're collaborating with, uh, which probably brings me nicely, you know, to just mention as well, obviously, Michael Parkin, who's done the artwork for, the album. Um, obviously, it's stunning artwork yeah, for the album. And obviously, listeners, again, there's links in the, the bio, you can go and pre order the album. Um, and there's posters, I believe, t shirts, etc, etc. Uh, with it all of the, you know, the stunning artwork that it, Michael's come up with. So you know, how did that collaboration come together with Michael?
1: Dude, you have done your research. I'm impressed. <laughs> You're bringing in all the names. Yeah, Parky uh, has been one of my closest friends for a long time now. He comes from the same area as I do. He lived in sort of Farnborough, Badshot Lee kind of area. And funny enough, when we were kids, we would go to all the same gigs at the West End Center and whatnot, and we even had a lot of mutual friends, but we didn't meet each other until, you know, maybe five, six years ago. Um, uh, He's an illustrator, um, 100% illustrator. I do lots of things, including illustration. He's just
0: straight
1: down the nine. And he's very busy doing books for people and, lots of editorial for very high-class newspapers, constantly in demand. And it's great to be able to, because I don't actually know that many illustrators. I know a bunch of musicians, obviously. (laughs) Um, You know, you've got to go, you get in a van, you step outside and there's a bunch of musicians. Illustrators sort of operate on their own. There's no, you don't go to a gig by an illustrator where there's a ton of, there's like two illustrator support bands. (laughs) It's not how it works. (laughs) So Parkin is really one of the only people that I can sort of, you know, Talk to about that side of my career and and moan about you know clients and people wanting things coloured in differently and whatnot. So we've built up a great relationship um, along those lines. And obviously, I've always admired his work. And the first thing you think if you're an artist when you meet someone else who has a great skill like Jen, you know that was always in my mind when I met her. Like, oh man, we should collaborate on something at some point. Um, Is the same with Parky. I just thought, wow, how can we? work together on something, because Parky also plays drums, he's a great great drummer. Um, So, I've been thinking for years about how we could get together and I I wanted to bring him in on all the stuff, but at the time I was doing things like, you know, Devolver, Shuffle, King Clubs. all the artwork for that was sort of photo based, apart from Shuffle, which was very much me, I wanted to do that myself, all the little logograms, that's my personal peccadillo for design. But then when it came to The Atheist and I knew I was going to soften things out and, and um, he was doing a lot of maps at the time that I was thinking about The Atheist for, for literally just for travel um, blogs and websites okay. and magazines. I thought, oh, well, that would be great if there was a map, but the map was me or the map was my album. And then Parker could do one for me and, and, and we could bring in those earth tones, the blues and the yellows and the oranges, a sort of a summer feel, even though the records ended up coming out in the winter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought that would really match. And so then began a long conversation about what it would be, because it's quite intricate, it's quite detailed and all the little, again, there's a little icon per song, which is something that I like to do, lots of chats about that. Some of them were very definite. Some of them we left until the last minute, you know, and he was still drawing stuff as late as a couple of weeks ago when I had to like, send it to the press and I had to say, listen, Parky, stop drawing things. I have to send it to the distribution guys to get it made up. Um, just a very, very enriching process and we got to spend a lot of time together as well to discuss it. I got to his studio in Peckham, he'd come down to my house, we'd eat some burgers, you know, we'd watch a terrible movie, we'd do a bit of work, it was really, really wonderful. And another great example, um, like with Jen or like with um, Scott, another photographer, or like with Jack, my drummer, of getting the chance to work with the fabulous artists and, sort of take their stuff and go hey i'm jim and emma but also look at these people isn't it great you know
0: yeah no absolutely fantastic and you know it works so well um absolutely um beautiful piece of artwork and um, listeners again can head out through the bio uh find the links to to pre-order it and have a look for themselves um, so I'm going to swing things back to the live side uh, of the industry. Um, obviously, we talked about the Hartfordshire and St sh- Albans show coming up. But December the 18th, um, you have Mania in Manchester. And I was looking at the bill and, I mean, the list I've just jotted down quickly. I mean, St Agnes, Sick Joy, James and the Cold Gun, Jen and the Degenerates. Um, yeah, pretty much every band on the bill. I just looked at him and went, wow, um, yeah. you know, so, and, and obviously you're playing twice as well, you know, um, so um, how proud are you of being able to put such a bill together?
1: Very proud and, and not to um, continue this whole thing to big up other people. It's good to big up other people, <laughs> you know, my agent, and my manager were very instrumental in that. And in fact, do you know what we, cause we've been talking about it for a long time, but when it came time, the crunch time literally the week before it announced when all the bands had to get nailed down i was on holiday so i was just like i'm going away i'm gonna be back on monday have this sorted by the time i get back and they did they did apart from the one band that was still we were still trying to get hold of gender the degenerates but um all the other bands were locked down and it was great they worked so hard on that and it, it on on the one hand it, it's amazing to be able to to gather you know acts like St. Agnes and Sick Joy and Cold Gun with with a bit of a name behind them, but also to shine a light on smaller acts, people like Rad Pitt, you know, who I don't think many people have heard of, but who are sick. And um, maybe Katie Malco is more of an acquired taste as well. I've known her for years uh, through various, you know, labels and bodies and whatnot, but I'm really excited to be playing a show with her. There's loads of people on that bill. I, I forget who they all are now. You know, other half are a sort of a smaller band who are on my the same label as me, Big Square yeah, Monsters. From Norwich, I believe, yeah. From Norwich, right. And they sound great. They sound a bit uh, uh, noughties, actually, a bit early noughties. Um, so, yeah, so you get the name. That's what we try to do with Len Mania. You get the, the name acts that you've heard about and that you're excited to go and see anyway. And then you get the sort of lesser known acts that you're like oh well i'll check them out as well you know and i think it would be really great what i always try to do at gig is like not vet the bands i encourage people to i know it's a bit of a habit people if they haven't heard the support act they'll like spotify them i'd say don't do that i'd say come prepared just mm-hmm. come with open ears you know i i never do that um but yeah it's a it's a heck of a lineup It always is. Somehow it just works out. You know, when I think about the people we had on the second one at Trees, we had Loathe and we had um, Show Me the Body. Uh, Incredible. So, was it Show Me the Body? Is that what they were called? Man, maybe I've got that wrong. The dudes with the three coffins in the artwork, they're fucking sick with the banjo. I think it was Show Me the Body. Anyway, amazing, amazing acts. And this year is no different. Um, Well, apart from the fact that it is in the north this time, which is... Uh, uh very refreshing
0: definitely and obviously listeners yeah you know, 18th of december if you're looking for a christmas party no better place to go than uh than Mania.
1: it is gonna go off yeah. it's gonna be unbelievable
0: yeah come along yeah no definitely definitely with that lineup um uh, it, you'd be a fool to miss it listeners um and um just to finish off that live uh you know side of the discussion um obviously as we said hartford st albans manchester dates are locked in um, yeah, you, know, you probably can't announce much else, but I'm guessing there's going to be opportunities coming up for listeners who enjoy uh, The Atheist when it comes out to be able to come and check out those songs live.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, um, I can't uh, announce them because we haven't booked them, but we're definitely <laughs> looking into, you know, an album tour, you know, uh, a thorough album tour that goes all the way up and down the country. That's what I'd be looking forward to. But But also, at the same time, I'm already booking festivals for next year i think we just announced takedown which is great in i love takedown yeah and i think there's another couple already booked that i don't have announced yet um so yeah i i to. i'm looking forward to doing an album tour in sort of springtime i guess and then festivals in the summer and then after then i couldn't really say but yeah I'm, i'm i want to play a lot of shows well a
0: lot you know
1: yeah more than St Albans and Hertford and let's say that
0: (laughs) yeah yeah definitely Um, yeah I I think everyone would agree that you know you certainly don't hold back and getting out on the road you know you're someone that is accessible and and listeners will be able to find a show Um, and to do that these days um, they have to follow you on social media because that's how everyone stays in touch with everyone so we've reached a portion of the podcast where I share the handles for your social media and yours make my life very easy. uh, Oh, my God. They're the same on all of them, which always helps. And they're your name. So, I mean, I would like to think listeners would be able to track you down um themselves but just in case instagram facebook twitter etc etc is all at jamie lennon so obviously encourage listeners to to give you a follow to keep up to date on the live shows that are going to come and obviously the new material that's probably already been worked on and will be coming you know later down the line yeah um so we have independent venue week coming up so swinging right back to what i mentioned at the start um at the moment we're doing some prep ahead of independent venue week and we're asking every artist we interview to give a shout out to their favorite independent venue so where would you like to give a shout out to jamie i imagine there's probably a few do you know what there i mean is um
1: is tuts an independent venue in glasgow yeah
0: yeah, yeah, I, I believe can't, it is. Say
1: that's not that's not council run because my first thought would be, you know, the Westie, which is where I'm from. But that's technically that's council run. So it would have to be King Tut's, yeah, in Glasgow, who have always treated me so well, and I go there whenever I can, and with any luck, yeah, I might be back there in the spring. That would be really nice because we did have a Glasgow show scheduled um, for last winter. But everybody got COVID, so we spent <laughs> the week buffing our eyes out instead. Um, uh, yeah, they got cancelled. I don't think that was at Tuts, um, but yeah. I mean, the first time I ever went to Tuts was on tour with Ruben, and it was the first ever venue that gave us like a hot meal, and we were like, "What?" Because we'd been living on cornflake sandwiches for like three weeks or whatever it was, and then we got to Tuts, and they were like, "What do you want for tea?" And we were like exqueeze me, baking powder, I'll have the tuna uh, baked potato, please. So yeah, I'll always go back to tarts and I'd say they were probably my number one independent venue, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, excellent. Thank you for that. I mean, obviously, you know, we want to put the spotlight on these venues because without the venues, the bands aren't going to exist and without the bands there's no industry you know so they are the whole ecosystem relies on these independent venues so yeah. um absolutely delighted to to be able to you know do something and, and and put something out in relation to that so um absolutely delighted to have been able to talk to you as well jamie i say uh, one that i've certainly been looking forward to and you certainly uh, have not disappointed you know very enjoyable oh thank um, god yeah <laughs> so uh final question always on the podcast is is to just to chuck it to you and what would be your you know final message for everyone listening today
1: well i I guess my um uh final message would be thanks for taking a chance on uh, the full pelt um full pelt podcast at youtube you know it's great that people are tuning into uh lesser known um podcasts and helping you build your audience uh and or if you followed it you know just for me then great thanks for um you're interested in me but maybe go and check out all the other full pelt podcasts i saw you had luke branch on there and you had old ft he's a good he yeah he's all right yeah uh, (laughs) yeah thanks for your time everyone listening and and paul as well thanks for asking me to come on
0: it's been a thrill Well, thank you everyone for listening. I really do hope you enjoyed that chat there with Jamie Lemon. Make sure you check out his new album, The Atheist, which is out on November the 25th. And of course, follow Jamie on social media. You can also follow Full Pelt on social media. We're on Facebook at Full Pelt and on Twitter and Instagram at Full Pelt Music. And finally, if you would, please do hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, wherever you're watching or listening. And we'll be back very soon for another episode of the Full Pelt Music podcast.